Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey friends, welcome into episode number 94 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. My guest on the show today is Jay Kapuchuk. And I got to tell you this about Jay. Jay is a super high energy principal. Uh, He's a current elementary principal in the Virginia area. And Jay honestly has been a school level leader as an assistant principal, a principal uh, for each of the last 10 years. Previously, Jay taught elementary school at almost every level, and he's also been a special education teacher working with students in that school-to-work type of transition environment. Um, Jay is all about upping your leadership game and bringing what you've got to the table and showing up with that positive energy so you know that Jay and I absolutely hit it off and have so much in common. You know how I feel about each and every one of us showing up the right way every single day. And so that's the energy that you're going to get from this conversation with Jay and I. And there's a reason that I've hung on to this conversation until the end of August. You know, here we are at the point where we've either launched or are about to launch our school year. And as leaders, we want to go in with that right energy and we want to know we're going to show up the right way. And this is a conversation that's going to help you do that. It's filled with strategies and ideas and energy and just honestly, a great authentic conversation that you're going to get to hear right on the other side of this, a message from our sponsor, Peer Driven PD. Hey leaders, you know, teachers and administrators don't always see eye to eye. So it might surprise you that over 86% of teachers and administrators agree that we need more full-time classroom teachers leading our professional development. That's where my friends at Peer Driven PD come in. Peer Driven PD finds some of the best teachers in the country and documents their instructional strategies that work in real classrooms every day, and then they make the content available to schools everywhere. It's kind of like a master class, but for teachers. Imagine that your teachers are learning from other amazing teachers who, just like them, are gifted and passionate about driving student achievement. And if you've got your own superstar teachers who deserve some exposure, Peer Driven PD will visit your campus and film your own teachers doing what they do best and share it on the platform for their colleagues and everyone else to see. What a huge morale boost that can be for a district. And just so you know, Mike Alpert, who's the company's founder, has been a guest on this very podcast. Check out episode 49. Mike's a former teacher and administrator who has worked with schools from coast to coast. He really understands the need for engaging PD that teachers will appreciate. Look, I've seen this work firsthand. It's unique, it's interesting, and it's just what you need if your teachers want more out of their professional development. Visit peerdrivenpd.com to request a quote. Tell them the Leaning Into Leadership podcast sent you, and they'll give you a free trial access so you can check out all of their content and decide for yourself. As well, they'll give you an additional 10% off your first year's subscription simply for mentioning the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Go to peerdrivenpd.com today. Again, that's peerdrivenpd.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. 
Now let's get on to the episode. The very best leaders are the ones who are always looking to up their game. Always looking to grow. Always looking to get just a little bit better. Even if it's 1% every single day. And here on the show to join me to have that conversation about upping your game, Jay Kapuchuk, welcome into the show, man. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, just real quick before we dive into that uh, conversation, just tell my listeners a little bit about you for those who maybe don't know you, don't follow you on social media. Uh, so a little bit about me. I was I grew up in the Pittsburgh area of Pennsylvania, but my first teaching job was actually in Virginia Beach, Virginia, the Norfolk area, where I was an elementary teacher for years. And then I transferred to a middle school and taught middle school. I've also taught high school. And for the past 10 years, I've been an administrator at two different elementary schools. So recently I transferred to this elementary school, Peakview Elementary in Rockingham County, Virginia. And I've been here for the past two years. That's awesome. So so you leave Steelers country and you head into Commander's country, essentially, right? Isn't that where you're at? Correct. Yes. Virginia really doesn't even have a national sports team, um, but yeah. the Commanders are the closest. The Ravens are also close by. So, oh, yes, true, as a yeah. black and gold fan, um, I bleed black and gold for baseball, football, and hockey. And one, one unique thing about Pittsburgh is all their sports teams are the same color. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be commanders and not Ravens for you. There's there's no way you trade teams in the division. That's just not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Never. Yeah, but as much fun as it would be to chop it up a little bit over uh, over some professional sports, um, we're we're here to talk a little bit about leadership. And I, I kind of opened it up uh, with uh, upping your own game. And it was something that you had said to me during our, um, you know, our initial conversation leading up to to having you here on the podcast. And um, we're going to get into some things, you know, at the time this is airing, we're early in a new school year, you know, we've got a ton of new leaders in new leadership positions. And I'm going to ask you for some some insight and some tips and some of that kind of stuff for them. But I want to take your words and I'm going to give them right back to you and ask you to talk about that. To you, when you say upping your own game, tell me what you're talking about. And you described it pretty well with the intro. Um, upping your game, like you said, is trying to be better each and every day. So being better tomorrow than I was today. And what can you do? So taking advice from other administrators, um, social media. What can you steal from other administrators in the world to up your own game in your own building to make it better for students and your staff and your community that walks in your building? So something I always try to do, no matter if it's the beginning of the school year, mid-year or end of the year, I'm always trying to get one step better every day because I think my staff and my students and my community um, deserve that. So there's many tricks. and. As administrators, I think we're great at stealing ideas from social media and then reaching out to those administrators and saying, how did you do that? You know, we just upped our game at the end of last school year by having our kindergartners have a signing day. So that was something I have never done in the past, but our kindergartners, just like a lot of high school kids do, our kindergartners, when they were welcomed into our school, they had their own special signing day. 
So for those parents, that was something special for them and the students. So always trying from year to year to up the game and never be stagnant and say, well, I did good last year. I'm, I'll be fine again this year. So I think that's important for all of us as administrators. What I hear you saying there really is if we're not getting better, we're going backwards. So we might as well lean into all of those incredible opportunities that are out there. I, I really like how you talked about, you know, finding those people on social media, connecting with them and saying, hey, tell me more. You know, this is a great idea. And social media has made it so easy to share, you know, all of those great ideas. And so many people, almost everybody out there who is sharing those ideas is willing to to have a conversation and say, yeah, absolutely. Um, the kindergarten signing, uh, let's just go just a touch deeper for just a second on that. Um, I'd love to hear what feedback you got, you know, maybe, maybe something a parent said, maybe something your superintendent said, something a teacher said, maybe even something a kid said at the kindergarten say, signing or about the kindergarten signing. So the parents, I would think they, I had the biggest response from them. They have never saw or been a part of anything like that. So some of them have had children that have went to this school before and they did not have that experience. So we do a thing where we screen all the upcoming kindergartners that it kind of helps us with class placement because when they're walking into your school, you may not know who each kid is. So that gives us a little screening. But while those kids walked in with their families for the very first time, we had a special setting just for those kids. I had a giant pencil, gave them each a piece of paper and asked them to write their name down. And for the parents that were taking the pictures, they were shared all over social media. And it was great for the school because right behind the kid's name was our school name of Peakview. So with each one of those pictures shared, it was kind of branding your own school also. So you're getting your name out there in a positive light. And also it's welcoming families to your building. So I would say the greatest response was from the parents. And then again, our teachers that have been in our building a, while, you know, a long time, they also thought it was a great idea. Now we're already asking, how can we up it again for next year? You know, we had balloons, so what can we do? So um, yeah, we did it one year, but we're always looking at next year and say, how do we make it better? I just love that. I think it's uh, it's super powerful. I saw a few of the images uh, that you had shared on social media, and it's just just such a cool thing for your kids. And as as much as it is a welcoming tool for parents, to me, like the biggest piece of that is what and you touched on this is that controlling the narrative. You are, and, and you're not only like just you controlling the narrative. You are allowing the parents to tell the narrative of your school from the perspective of their very first experience. I mean, I, like you said, some of them have have kids who had already gone through your school, but so many of them, this is the first time. I, I used to ask parents this all the time at, at ninth grade uh, parent orientation. You know, hey, how many of you is this your first ninth grader coming, coming through high school? You know what? A ton of hands would go up. And you know, you want to make that first experience for them something memorable and something special. So, so kudos to you guys for for putting that together and running with that. I think, I just think it's a very positive way to set the kids up for success. And I'll bet you got a lot of kindergartners who just can't wait or couldn't wait to start this school year. Absolutely, and a few that were not able to make it that day, their parents even reached out and asked, could they bring them in almost for that photo opportunity? So it was a very, very powerful message and it was received very well. 
So let's pivot just a little bit. Um, as as amazing and awesome as that is for you know first experience for a kindergartner coming into school, you know at this time of year, you and I are talking about we hit about this before we hit the record button. There are hundreds of brand new principles this year. Hundreds is probably even a small number. It's probably even more than that. You know, people who and you remember it that very first. You know, that first day as a principal, that first week, that first month um, for, for our new, you know, our rising administrators who, who have just taken on those those first roles. Um, before we get to tips and advice and that kind of stuff, let's let's maybe um, let's maybe flash back a little bit, you know, both of us to when it all first began as a rookie administrator share some some memories that you might have now that you've had me, you know, rambling for a couple of minutes leading you up to this. There's got to be some things in your head that you're like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Well, I remember a superintendent once told me the longest 10 steps of your life are from the assistant principal's office to the principal's office. And that has always stuck with me. Amen. Yes, because I thought as an assistant principal, I knew what the principal was doing. You know, I thought I knew what their workload was going to be or their stress level was going to be. And it wasn't until I, like you said, that first week of school, you know, I may have planned a perfect faculty meeting you know, with all the hoorays. And, um, but after about the first week of school, I just remember feeling 100% totally exhausted, mentally, physically, um, the shirt that says, I'm fine, everything's fine, we're all fine. And like the person's head's on fire. That's probably what I felt like after the first week of school. Yeah. Um, you know, I had my agenda. I thought I was going to accomplish each and every day and my plan and check all those boxes. And I very seldom ever got to any of those boxes. So yes, it was very, um, overwhelming. I would say walking into the position as a principal, because in my mind, yeah. I thought I knew what I was walking into, but I was very quickly taught that I didn't quite know what I was walking into you know, find that niche and how do you recover from that? I think that's a big thing as a new administrator walking into this position. So number one, yes, thank you for walking into this position. Any new administrator out there, we need you. Um, but also, no, it's okay to feel defeated. But when you walk in Monday morning, you know, um, recover, take time for yourself on the weekend. But just know that, you know, your best laid out plan might change from day to day with one phone call as a principal, one media person reaching out to you as a principal, one parent, one student, you know, um, things could change rapidly. And I think that was, uh, it was eye-opening for me walking in as a new administrator. Hey leaders, let me tell you a story. It's the story of my first year as a high school principal. I will tell you, I was exhausted, I was overwhelmed, and I lived my life breathing through a snorkel because my head was so far underwater and I didn't think there was a way out. I mean, I was a mess. The 40 feet that it was to move from my assistant principal office down to the principal's office might as well have been a 400-mile trek. I was just absolutely putting in crazy hours. I was trying to do it all, like trying to answer everybody's question, thinking I always had to be the smartest one in the room, and I had to solve everybody's problems. We're talking severe Superman syndrome here, folks. Every day was fire after fire, and all I accomplished was putting out fires. Forget about leading. I was simply trying to survive. Now, 
after working with a leadership coach, I really was able to get things figured out, get my head from being a firefighter to actually being a leader. But it took work, and I discovered some things that really mattered. And that's why I've created Walk in Your Purpose, Five Mindsets to Level Up Your Leadership, a free ebook that you can have today at no cost. Just go to walkinyourpurpose.roadtoawesome.net backslash ebook to download your free copy. Again, that's walkinyourpurpose.roadtoawesome.net backslash ebook. It's time for you to walk in your purpose, to find joy in your job, and to be the leader you always knew that you could be. I really like how you you mentioned that uh, the longest walk you'll take from the AP office to the principal. Um, I've, I've said it on here countless times, and I've talked about it in a lot of different way, uh, different ways. But to me, it was four. It was forty steps actually from my AP office to the principal's office, and it might as well have been four hundred miles. The difference between the two jobs. You are absolutely right, man. You you hit it on the head that that vast difference from being the assistant to being the principal is it's mind-blowing and so I, I say that and i reinforce what you just said because folks if you're experiencing that it's okay i mean i spent a whole year with my head underwater i mean you know usually with a snorkel sometimes the water was running in the snorkel um yes. sometimes it was full scuba gear i mean you know you just it's a challenge to take on that job so um, you mentioned take some time on the weekends to take care of yourself. I think that's really important. What are what are some other things that you might tell those you know very early career school leaders, regardless of level, elementary, middle, or, or high, um, to consider in the first four months of the school year? Number one, I would say you need to find some peers that are in your role also, because sometimes being an administrator, well, not sometimes, all the time being an administrator is a very lonely job. When you are the principal of a building, and in our current county, we have some buildings where they are the only administrator and other buildings have multiple assistant principals. So being in a principal's role is a very lonely job. There's not a lot of people you can reach out to, invent, or talk to. I've been fortunate, my wife is also a principal. Might not be fortunate for our two children to have two principals as parents, but <laughs> many times we can have dinner conversations or we can sit on the back porch and we can talk through our days and I understand that's rare. So I believe as an administrator, you need to find other administrators that you can call on a Tuesday night or if something comes up in the middle of the day. As a new administrator, you're not going to have the answer. I think I had an assistant superintendent once tell me you're going to get about 80% of your answers correct on a normal day. So they say, just know you're gonna have 20% that you're gonna say, maybe I should have answered or handled that differently, but that's okay. But you have, you can't do it on your own. So you have to have someone that you can reach out to, even if it's in your own county. I've been fortunate to have a group of people or administrators all across the country, thanks to social media, that I've been able to reach out to with different situations. And it has been you know, quite beneficial. And that's probably why I'm still in my career 10 years later. Because without their support, I think I would probably, if you were swimming with your snorkel, I always say I have cement yeah. boots on. I think I'd have been down at the bottom. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think 
you know, it's been huge to have different groups that I can reach out to each and every day when I'm needed, you know, when they're needed. So I don't know if, if this was your experience. For me, I think it was just this vast overwhelm of everything that is in the scope of being a principal. Um, so the school where I became high school principal, I had been an AP in two other roles. I was in charge of discipline attendance for two years, then three years in charge of curriculum instruction. And I remember my, my superintendent told me, Darren, I need you to be the instructional leader of this school. Well, I already was. When I was in the curriculum role, I really was the instructional leader of our school. And so I'm like, so am I supposed to keep that job and, and, and then do all of this? And I mean, oh, what am I supposed to do? So like, am I now building master schedule as the principal and not delegating that out? I mean, what am I supposed to do? And I should have asked for a lot of clarity a whole lot sooner. Um, but I didn't because, you know, I thought, oh, okay, well, to be the principal means to be Superman. It means to be everything to everyone. So I, I need to be able to do this. There are so many things in a principal's job description. Um, I, I had it said this way once with three assistant principals and a principal in the building where I was principal. My predecessor told us, each of you has a sandbox, you know, discipline attendance, athletics activities, whatever. And he said, but the whole building is my sandbox. So here I am struggling with this sandbox analogy, reading my job description, thinking about the roles of the other assistant principals. Man, I got so lost and so caught up in all the stuff that I think I forgot. No, I don't think. I know I forgot in that first year what the job of the principal really is. You and I talked about this recently, and I'd love to have you just talk a little bit more about what really the job of the principal is. Well, and I think your analogy, the sandbox, I was once told, because I had the same question as being the instructional leader at the elementary school I was in. And my superintendent at that time, Dr. Cycle, he reminded me, he said, hey, look at a baseball analogy. You can't be the head coach, the hitting coach, the fielding coach, the pitching coach, because you need your supportive team. So I think that's kind of helped me because I was trying to be in everybody. Like I was trying to be the hitting coach, the pitching coach, the fielding coach, the team manager, um, the team cheerleader. I was trying to be every one of those and I was wearing myself too thin. So that analogy helped me kind of reflect as a team leader, as a baseball coach, um, I have to trust in my support people. So for you with your sandbox with each of them, you know, to support each one of those, if you had three assistant principals, I've always had one assistant principal, but also trying to help them, you know, support them in their roles. But I don't have to be in charge of attendance. I don't have to be in charge of every discipline, of the scheduling, you know, of every role in the building. I don't have to be the one in charge. And I think when I stepped into my role, no one ever told me that. So I was trying to get, yeah. I was trying to be the scheduler. I was trying to be the discipline. I was trying to handle all the parent phone calls, the PTO, like everything. And I just spread myself too thin. Um, but it took someone to say, no, no, it's okay if you can take, you know, trust your assistant principal to be in charge of attendance. You don't have to take that over. Um, so just that gave me a perspective with sports analogy, you know, that I can't always be the hitting coach, the pitching coach. And that's okay. You just got to trust your people that are underneath you. Even if it's a classroom teacher, it could be a classified personnel. You have strong leaders in your building. So 
you know, utilize them when you can and understand that you're going to work together as a team and I'll still be the head coach for them. But in a school, it's a, you know, you're the school principal. So it took me a year or two to figure that out, that I can't be everyone. Um, but once I have, I think it's been easier on me and it's probably been better for the building because now you have more team invested in your, you know, in the everyday decisions and the processes that happen each and every day. Now, I think that's huge right there because, you know, ultimately to me, one of the most important jobs that the principal has is to create that compelling vision, you know, that that reality of here's where we're going. And but you can't be the one who does all the work to get there. You can't. So to me, like being the principal, one of those one of those big pieces that under that underscores or underpins that build the compelling vision is empowering other people to buy into and believe in that vision or, or, or take their own like slice of that vision and say, hey, I know as a second grade classroom teacher, this is how I help us achieve that that compelling vision. And in a lot of ways, that means you're kind of a motivator. You're kind of I love your analogy of, of the, the baseball manager because the manager makes a lot of decisions but also delegates a lot of those things but still kind of functions as like that primary motivator for the team. Um, how, how do you go about being that motivator for your staff while keeping in mind your, your work as the team manager? We'll stay with that analogy. Right. I would say in 2023, that's probably more critical now than it was when I started as an administrator in um, 2013. Uh, motivating teachers that want to come into your building each and every day, motivating your students to come into your building each and every day. You know, you're, you're classified, your custodians, your cafeteria workers, the whole building, because every one of those individuals are an important piece to your building. So it's very easy to give jeans days, you know, doesn't cost you anything, but that's just like a small token. Um, but there are many things you can do. Number one, everybody feeds off of you as the leader. If you're walking through the hall with positive energy, they can feed off of that. If you're walking through the hall with a frown on your face, they feed off of that, both the adults and the students in your building. So when you step outside of your office, even on a very difficult maybe phone conversation that you just had with a community member, a family member, a school board member, whoever, when you step out, the building needs to see you in a positive outlook. So things to motivate them. Food is always a great motivator. But that costs money. So and it's very hard when you talk to different administrators across the country. Everybody's budgets are very different. So those are interesting conversations. But how can you find ways to motivate your staff maybe without costing much? I have a they my staff always knows I got a giant wooden bowl of candy in my office and it's all for all staff. When you're having that day, they'll just walk in and say, sorry, I'm just stealing a piece of whatever Reese pieces. And they're grabbing it and they're going. And if that's that small token they needed to get through the next hour, great, then let it be. You know, keep in refrigerated stock when possible. Anything you can do to motivate them. Now, for me as an elementary, every spirit day, I'm in full gear. I'm out front greeting the parents. You know, I am the head, as we'd say, I'm the head cheerleader at that moment. Because I want the kids to feel the energy when they walk in. If I don't dress up, I get more questions like, are you okay, Mr. K? Uh, you know, you're having a bad day because I didn't like, no, maybe I have to go to central office and I got to have professional meetings today. 
So it's been comical more on days that I don't maybe participate, which is rarely. But then the kids are all asking, are you okay? Because usually they see me, they're looking for like, what is he going to dress up in now? So again, going back to our start of a conversation, how do you up the game each and every time? So yeah. even with spirit in a building, um, they, they feed off you. They, you know, they say if the principal sneezes, the whole building gets a cold. Well, that, that goes through everything with motivation, um, with your spirit, with your positive outlook. If you go and you're the negative tornado that goes through the building and just talks down or, hey, our test scores aren't looking good, you know, and you start putting that pressure on teachers, well, that feeds into the teachers, which then feed into the students. So, again, I think, you know, everything you do as a leader is seen throughout your building. So I have roughly 100 adults in my building each and every day. So I got to find a way that when I'm in a hall, when I'm in their classroom, when I'm in the cafeteria, that, you know, I'm just exuding positivity everywhere I go because it, it feeds throughout the building. That's a key role right there. You know, the more the more you are bringing that positive energy, um, the more they're going to feed off of that. I love how you talk about that. And, you know, the thing is, and there's probably a lot of people who are who are listening to this thinking, yeah, but how do I do that every day? You know, and, and I mean, my answer, my short answer would be you have a choice every day. You know, you have the choice of how you're going to show up every single day. Um, but it's not easy, right? I mean, you know, you could you could easily, I don't know how far your drive is from your house to your school, but I mean, you could be on your way out the door and spill coffee on your on your shoe or, you know, you could, you know, you've got kids, you could have a, you know, something come up with one of your kids. One of them forgets a project or forgets their lunch or the kids are fighting or whatever. I mean, there's a thousand ways that you can set yourself up for not getting out of your car in that positive way. What are one or two things that you do to make sure like you're dialed in and that you're upping your game to bring that positive energy. And it's hard just, you know, as a principal the other day, 1130 at night, I'm asleep and then my phone goes off. Well, I hear the burglar alarms in our building got tripped. Not by any intruder. I get called by security. I have to drive into school at 1130 at night. You know, I'm there till nearly one in the morning. Well, there's that little clause in the bottom of most contracts that says other duties as a sign, you know. <laughs> It was hard to show up Monday morning after being at school from 1130 till 1 a.m. to fix the fire alarm and meet with the police officers. But at eight in the morning, when my door is open, it's almost like going to the guy. I got to start off with a full tank every day because if I walk in and it was grumbly like, yeah, I was here for an hour and a half last night. I'm exhausted. That's not how I don't want. I don't want anyone walking into my building knowing that I was here for an hour and a half and now I'm really tired. So, I mean, it's almost like you got to fill your tank every day and start off the morning at 8 a.m. with a full tank, even though in, maybe deep inside you feel like you're running on empty. You know, I was tired going in Monday morning after the alarm situation, but I couldn't let anybody know that happened. So I just think each day you almost have to start off with a full tank of gas. And then, you know, you're going to burn through gas some days quicker than others. And some days you're sitting in a meeting at two o'clock and you're you feel like you're running on empty, but then it comes time to bust a dismissal and you're out there, you're high-fiving kids, you're asking about the ball game at night, you're giving them 110%, even though your fuel gauge deep inside might be running low, you have to give it your all from eight to, you know, eight to three or whatever your school day is. And you can't let your, you know, your students, your staff, you know, I could have very easily just walked in grumbly and said, I'm exhausted. I had to come to school for, you know, an hour and a half last night in the middle of the night. Or I could just, you know, 
internally suck it up and then come in and put that smile on your face every day because our kids deserve it. Our staff deserves it. Our parents that are walking in their kids, they deserve it. You know, if I start off grumbling, that would have probably just fed throughout the building. So sometimes you got to fake it because, you know, deep inside you're physically tired. But, you know, your kids and your staff deserve it. You know, they need to see you running on high or, you know, like a full tank of gas all day long. Yeah, man, I love that. That's awesome. It's a great analogy for Road to Awesome. You got to be running on a full tank of gas, man. I love it. So, um, Jay, let's do this. Let's jump to uh, the last question that I ask everybody here on the podcast. Um, this is the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So, Jay, what are you doing right now to lean into leadership? And when I think of leaning into leadership, you know, you can think of it many different ways. I could lean in and be listening to my staff and listening to my community. I'm just leaning in and listening. But for me, it's kind of like I'm leading into a movable wall and I'm always trying to press that wall a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. So, you know, when I'm leading into leadership, I am I think of the whole, you know, my building. So what can I do? So it starts with my students. I want them to be able to knock down my doors, you know, to get into school every day. I don't want them to be, you know, knocking down the doors to get out of my building. So what can I do to make sure my kids are excited and motivated to come to school every day? So if it's putting up you know, all new outside. We have big signs. Everybody is welcome in our top languages of our building. So we have our top 10 languages right outside a big sign that says everybody's welcome in our top 10 languages of our building. So before anyone even steps into our building, you know, they are seeing that they're welcome. And then from there, every step into our building, we have every home country of our building, our, of our students, their flags displayed highly in the air. So everybody that walks in, Again, they are able to see that they're welcome in our building. So I keep pushing my way in. So the outside of my building, the inside of my building, what can I do to make sure everybody that walks into my building, if it's a grandparent, a mom or dad, you know, when I want them to feel just as excited walking into my building as I do that five-year-old for the first time. Because if that grandparent's excited, what are they going to do when they go to church on Sunday? They're going to talk. I went to my grandchild's school and how awesome it is. You know, or if it's that parent, same thing. If they're at the ball field, hey, I went to school, I had lunch with my kid. They got the whole wall mural. You know, I was able to point to, you know, where our home country is. Or, you know, what can you make a courtyard that's special just for families to go out and have lunch with their kid in each and every day? So constantly looking for ways inside my own building to make students, parents, staff motivated to get in. So um, I'm always talking to other leaders, I'm always talking to other teachers and trying to find ways to make my building better for everyone who enters it. So part of leaning into leadership is leaning into, you know, all the stakeholders locally, but also leaning into other administrators and educators across the country and taking their ideas and having those conversations of, hey, I saw you did this. How did you do it? You know, then trying to reflect on your own building and how can you make it better for everyone that enters. So I think leaning into me is like talking to your stakeholders, your community, your families, and then also talking to all the other educators that you possibly can from conferences to Twitter to social media, whatever you use, and just leading into them because everybody has great ideas. And just trying to, you know, day to day, what did I do today that was better than yesterday? So just trying to figure that out each and every day. You know, how can I be better today? Even if the burglar alarm went off last night and kept me up. What can I do today that's going to make you know a positive change or a positive outlook in someone's day? Being that if it's a grandparent, a parent, a staff member, a child, you know, I think that's part of our job as an administrator is, you know, we constantly got to lean into people 
and pick their brains and pick their ideas, but you also want them to feel welcome, you know, even if it's through a social media chat, even if it's through a podcast like you and I, we've never met personally, but, you know, through social media, we've been able to reach out and talk to each other. Um, so I think it's powerful to lean in everywhere you can and just keep trying to, for me, when I think of leaning into leadership, it's just pushing that wall a little bit further one day at a time. That's awesome stuff, man. That's, that is just continuing to up your game. I love it so much. Jay Kapuchik, thank you so much for joining me here on the Leading Into Leadership podcast. All right. Thank you. Man, I just love that conversation. Um, I just had so much fun sitting down and just absorbing the energy from Jay Kapuchuk and listening to him share, you know, some really cool ideas and some great tips and ways that we can help our students, our staff, our community all feel like they're welcome in our school. You know, you guys have heard me say it a lot. But uh, everyone wants to feel seen and heard and valued and trusted. And just one of the pieces, there were so many great things in there, but one that I want to highlight was how Jay and his staff have taken to putting on the marquee the welcome in the top 10 languages spoke in their school community. You know, what a great way for the people in your community to feel seen and heard and valued, you know, to feel validated that the language I speak if it's not English, is still recognized and acknowledged and not done in a weird way, just simply, a, hey, this is who we are. This is our school community. And uh, I just, I really love that. I think it's fantastic. Jay, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, I wish you and all of uh, the school leaders and teachers and students, everybody getting ready to go back to school or who are just starting to, uh, I just wish for all of you to have an absolutely amazing school year. And now it's time for a pep talk. Earlier this week, I stopped in for an appointment with one of the medical care professionals that is supporting me through this recovery process from the surgery that I had, and I found it really interesting. So this was one of the surgeons that, uh, that works at the university hospital, and while he's not the surgeon who did the actual surgery on me, um, he works in close proximity and in close partnership with the surgeon who did. And um, as, as he's talking with us about wound care, his opinion was quite a bit different than the opinion of the wound care specialist that we had been going and seeing. And I found it very interesting that we could find in the medical profession vastly different professional opinions. And the more I reflected on it, the more I thought about how ultimately my wife and I went about making the decision of which guidance we were going to follow, which, which practical process, which, which care advice we were going to embrace and say, this is the one that we're going to follow because we couldn't keep doing two different types of care. They were very different, very different in their approach. That doesn't make one right and one wrong. In fact, they both are experts. They are both very talented, very intelligent, very experienced individuals. They just have a very different professional opinion. You know, ultimately, it came down to, for us, let's choose the course of action that fits our situation best, that's going to work best for us, that's going to work best for me as an individual and my particular lifestyle and my, and my work and my travel schedule and all of that kind of stuff. So why do I tell you this? Because, folks, there's an easy crosswalk to what we do in education here. You know, there are a lot of amazing professional opinions. 
All right, a lot of experts in education. And, and some of those might be, you know, people who've written books, and some of those might be people who are consultants. But a lot of them, folks, really, the great professional opinions come from your school leaders, from your classroom leaders, right? I mean, they're experts, you know, but every professional opinion is not exactly the same as somebody else's. And we can't try and follow every professional opinion. When we do, we find ourselves with 10 or 15 or 20 different initiatives all running at the same time, all of which can be great things, but they don't function necessarily well together. So when we're listening to and making decisions around the professional opinion of others in education, one of the things we need to do is make sure that we consider ourselves an expert. You know, back to my medical example, I'm, a, I'm an expert in my own personal medical, okay? Not, not that I'm the one that's going to do the surgery, but I know my lifestyle. I know my needs, just like our teachers in our classroom know the needs of their students. They know them a whole lot better than a consultant, a whole lot better than the principal, a whole lot better than the superintendent because they're with them every single day. So think about that with professional opinions and the decisions that we make as we prepare to launch into a school year, be cautious. You don't have to take every professional opinion and utilize the advice. Sometimes those two, those multiple pieces of advice could be in conflict. Find the advice, the opinion that fits your needs best, that is going to best support student outcomes and student success. From there, go ahead, follow the advice. But you got to be smart about which professional opinion you're going to choose to follow. So there you go. Those are my thoughts this week. That's your pep talk for this week. Thank you so much for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Have a road awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.